everybody. Welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Dan Schwester. I'm Kevin Mazza. I'm Anna Ryan. And today on the podcast, we have our newest contributor, Jess Mastercola. Say hi, Jess. Hello. Hello. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. We have the whole Overrun family in the studio today. And today we're going to talk about uh, attitudes and changes toward EMT education. Um, This is a topic that we've talked about off air uh, for quite a while now, a couple weeks. Uh, oh, say. boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we tend to focus on paramedics uh, and pre-hospital stuff, and at the beginning, we all started as EMTs, um, so we kind of want to address how EMT uh, how EMTs are educated, how basic life support is addressed. Uh, we're going to move on from there. So t- traditionally, EMTs, uh, it's a technical skill. So when you go through EMT school, initially you're taught just how to do things. This is how you take a blood pressure, not necessarily why. Um, or this is how you give a medication, not necessarily what you do with it. So that's something we kind of want to address. So to start, and I want to know what your thoughts are on traditional training and how we might start to, uh, to change those practices. All right, so it's tr- Traditionally, um, EMT class has consisted of teaching your students how to do the tech part of uh, being in the uh, the EMS provider position. Um, but we're basically just training them to be the middleman between the patient and the hospital, and that's no longer acceptable. We're moving more towards evidence-based practices, um, and the only way that we're evolving as EMS is basically leaving these EMTs behind. Right. So we have to start to... We can't teach techs anymore. We have to start teaching actual clinicians. Right. And that's something that we start to see with giving medications like EpiPens, Narcan, um, and things like that, where we're kind of blurring the line of what EMTs can do versus what paramedics can do. And we're not necessarily teaching them how to think before we do it. It's just do the action without actually putting any thought toward it. Right. And there is no critical thinking aspect to our traditional uh, education approach. So it's at this point, if we have all these medications and we have all these conditions that we should be working differentials through critical thinking, isn't one of those things that we can skimp on. We have to, it has to be a requirement in order for you to become the, the, you know, the best provider that you can be. So Jess currently is working as an EMT. She also works as a nurse in emergency department. Um, where do you think that there, that that disconnect exists from your, from the ground level on the field and then working in the ER? And if so, where do you think that separation actually uh, lives? Uh, absolutely. I think the separation lives exactly between EMTB and then becoming a paramedic. I think that paramedic is the step in the right direction because you're bringing us in the ER this patient you're supposed to be able to um, essentially treat them the same as you would in the ER and I think that as an EMT you aren't given those tools you're not given the knowledge to even learn how to do that in the first place right and I think that's a huge problem considering you know how often do we have it where ALS isn't available or that you know like you are in a situation where there's more than one patient and you have to manage multiple patients until ALS arrives on scene like you are the first person there sometimes even before like the cops and the cops are trained as first responders but you are the first person this person is going to see when they call 911 and I think that's a huge deal when you don't know how to actually be a clinician and use critical thinking right so what's what's what exactly sets apart a tech and so like an emerging medical technician, the name alone, we've talked about wanting to change the name, call everybody paramedics and just be done with it. I don't care how mad paramedics get about it. You'll get over it. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's almost time. So to go off what yeah. Jess was saying, that's the first person they see. And you teach techs how to do technical skills. Yep. You teach clinicians how to break down a situation and critically think because it is a requirement for this job. 
And unfortunately, like, think about, like, um, Jess in the hospital. Like, when your tech goes in the room, they introduce themselves and what do they do? They just start slapping on stickers to do a 12 lead, right? Right. There isn't really any thinking that goes beyond just doing the tests they're assigned to go and perform on that patient. Correct. And unfortunately, that translates into EMTs. It does. And we need to get, I think, get away from that and get to more of, like, clinical thinking. And part of that is... Like even learning something like therapeutic communication, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is something we, we discussed very heavily off the air yesterday. Well, communication is huge. I mean, you know, like Jess was saying, like the handover in the emergency department, you know, getting an RN, you know, as an EMT, they're very, li- you notice it, you see it. They're very stiff. They're very limited. You, you know, you're an ED nurse and, you know, speak to the fact like, you know, when you walk in, you st- like I'm a paramedic, if I'm dropping somebody off at your place, what do I, you know, we have a discussion like, hey, what's going on? What did you see? What did you notice? What, you know, what's been going on with the patient? And then you notice that with an EMT, it's very perfunctory and it's almost very robotic. Like they called for a chest pain. And that this was a $2 word. Did. Can we roll that back? <laughs> perfunctory. perfunctory. Say that again for me. Perfunctory. Woo, spell, spell it. Spell it. Don't. <laughs> Could you use it in I a can't. sense? I can't. <laughs> So Could but, you give me a synonym? So you're right. That, and we talk about education a lot here. And I wonder how much of that is during, like, skill stations in EMT classes when they're taught, you know, you walk in, you see the patient, you say hello to them, you run through, you know, sample OPQRST, and you take vital signs and you go to the hospital. So I wonder how much of that education is sort of the last vestige of when EMT education began, mm-hmm. where it literally was show up, take them to the hospital, done. And it's the same, you know, that's kind of the same EMS model that we had in, like, the 1960s, mm-hmm. where it's we remodeled a hearse. Because I'm, I'm going to go back a second as the oldest person here and somebody back, who back went to day, the original. We had Cadillac well, ambulances. But there was something very interesting <laughs> about my first EMT class, which is all the way back in 1994. Oh, boy. I, re- I at least remember 94. Okay. I, do I don't even want to know how old any of you were or where you were. I, I remember don't Rugrats. Ca- I when don't I care. When Jess I started EMT, I was listening to Pearl Jam. <laughs> Jess was three years old for the record. I, want I you was, to know that. strangely enough. Yeah. <laughs> of course. However. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. Vitology had just come out. EMT was, in, was a different world. I remember going to lectures and having physicians come in right. and do lectures. I remember mm-hmm. medical terminology quizzes. I remember taking anatomy and physiology at at least the high school level in the EMT class. Mm-hmm. And then the curriculum changed and it became away from that into a, well, they don't need to know that. Right. All they need to know is notice something, see it, fix it, move on. Right. So the let's, idea of then, what we, what they were looking at and what the potentials were disappeared. We took them away from playing chess like we do in medicine. Mm-hmm. Right. And we gave them checkers. Yep. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit because I know a, a lot of facilities, when they talk about how they're going to teach, they went away from, you know, going through the actual clinical thinking into just assessment based medicine where it was, well, the patient has chest pain, it must be cardiac or it could be cardiac. Right. So, and I, yeah. I and again, like this is something that we've, we've all discussed ad nauseum you know off air um but is that is that part of a kind of toxic culture and education that we're seeing where it's easier for us as educators to say well just imagine that the chest pain could be cardiac because what if it is or you know you'd rather like play it too safe i think it's twofold i think we have an ease in teaching that kind of concept which is fine right um but we also attract more people to take the class 
Mm-hmm. So we can't okay. expect, you know, if I, I can't walk into a first aid squad and be like, listen, I need you to know the ins and outs of a cardiac symptom by the time you're done with this course. And by the way, it's going to be longer than three or four months and have them respond well to that because it's volunteer. Right. Or if it's a if it's a paid agency where like, you know, some of the transport companies around here will send their um, their MAVT drivers, so like the people who like bring you to like their doctor's appointment or something like that sure. through EMT class in order to fill their quota. You can't tell them like, listen, there's a pay raise in it for you, but you're going to get it in six months. You're not going to get it in three. Mm-hmm. So then the interest in the class starts to go away as well. So is it easier to teach? Sure. Is it detrimental to the patient? Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 not fair to the provider either because at one point or another, I'm going to have a chest pain that isn't what I told you it was in the algorithm. And then now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. And it also kind of goes to an overextension of resources too, where if you have... It, and it starts at the beginning, right? If you have an EMT instructor mm-hmm. who doesn't know necessarily like a differential diagnosis for chest pain, who then poorly teaches a chest pain algorithm to an EMT, they go out into the field and then they will call in a medic unit for a non-cardiac chest pain. Yeah. And then they'll right. go into, a, you know, into an ER and now it has to be a patient in a cardiac bed. So it's like it's a very... And again, and again we've talked about this <laughs> a lot too, where you know, it's, this, it's like third and fourth order thinking that I think is lacking hey, a lot. Hey, fast, cheap, good. Choose two. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you, you only get two. So right. we want fast and we want cheap. We don't get good. No, we right. don't. That's true. So something that we discuss, and we've talked about this previously, is um, the career mobility aspect of it. So if you're talking about taking a MAV driver mm-hmm. and moving them on to EMT class, Noble goal. That, yeah, like I'm not. I I'm it actually. Happens though. Like it's, we it's, should. Yeah, no. I'm I actually, don't think I'm, that's I'm, a bad idea. No, I'm, no, I'm very on board with that. And it's a program that's been in in place with transport companies all over the state so far. Right. But what we're giving them is a. Well, it's not just all over the state. There's there's plenty of places around. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm talking too. for local. That's yeah, it. yeah. Um, but once we get those people out of the classroom, yeah, they're. Listen, if you're going to do nursing home transport, if you're going to do like, you know, emergency medicine in for an abnormal lab or something like that, not to say that it's not a serious condition, but it's not something that's dynamic. Right. So I'm going to give you an EMT in three months and you're going to be able to finish your transports and that's fine. But if we're talking about people who are going to serve a general public, that's not enough training at all. So no. here's another thing to this that we need to think about. And, you know, I want to get all your kind of way. I want you to all weigh in on this. How about the idea that as paramedicine is advanced and as we've pushed the envelope of what advanced providers are doing in the field or advanced clinicians, how has that caused friction with the EMT level where, and I won't say basic, Mm -hmm. the EMT level where we have not taught them why we're doing what we're doing or what the next step is. Right. And that causes friction when you're sitting there and we have to intubate this person. They're like, we are five minutes from the hospital. This is bull. Mm -hmm. We need to go. And you're like, no, I need to secure this because we need this person stable. Sure. Well, I I, I think that it's caused a huge chasm. Because we, I agree. On, on the medic side, and we, I think you see it on a daily basis. Oh, sure, on, on the medic side, you know, we we grow and we evolve, and you know, the EMT curriculum writ large has not changed in twenty years. We add, and again, like it's you know the fast, quick, and easy type of thing. We we add things, kind of piecemeal, where like you know, like Narcan deployment would, was a big one recently, where we're like, well, you know what, you do all that stuff, and then also give Narcan. You know, we're not going to tell you how it works or why it works right. or, you know, how much to give or why or you shouldn't why give giving too much is dangerous. Right. But now you can give it. Right. And now so you're seeing the you backlash go. of that because now we're seeing these, you know, these notices coming out from agencies like, 
oh my God, you're not going to believe this. We gave this person Narcan. He went berserk and destroyed the inside of the ambulance. And, Did they? And, and they're cutting it with these things that make them crazy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's why we don't want them. I'm still yeah, waiting. Like I'm still waiting. Farm overdose is such a huge deal with administering Narcan. And I feel like that's not taught. No, to anyone it, is right. who it isn't taught at all. I'm also waiting for the notices to come out. Like when it comes to like the Narcan thing is like, oh, you wouldn't believe that you guys found an unresponsive patient and now they're dead. <laughs> because the yeah. because you gave this much or right. you, you know, you didn't address their airway or whatever it was because the training isn't there or worse. How about this? You didn't manage their airway. You didn't bring in your suction. You didn't deal with the mm-hmm. basic level stuff that we know matters. That person aspirated. Now they're up in the ICU. Now they've got ARDS. Now that, their vent pressures are over, you know, and that the basic moon. level stuff. That and that person's sick as stink and is going to be there for months because we didn't do the basic. We didn't teach. And the basic level stuff that you're talking about. We didn't about teach is the, the foundation of what we need to do. The foundation right. is the critical thinking. Right. What do I yes. need before I get yep. out of the truck? But that's never part of our scenarios. What do I need before I push the vertical pedal on the right? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, oh, that's right. So how? So I, and the next question has to be, you know, if that's the case, is there a way, or what's a better way to actually get critical thinking involved in the EMT classroom? So, the first thing I think we have to do is a, is a teamwork aspect. Okay. There is no like there's no integration between what a paramedic does and an EMT does, even though you have to be an EMT before you're a paramedic. Right. So why is it I don't want to say why, because then it becomes a question that doesn't like immediately have an answer. But is it feasible to bring a, a paramedic student in to teach an EMT student? Why wouldn't we introduce those two those two dynamics so that yeah, there's already a dialogue that's happening? Right. I, I don't see a reason. That I so when I was introduced to the industry, I was always, and Dan mentioned this earlier when he was going through EMT school, you know, doctors, PAs, people like that were brought in. Mm-hmm. I was always under the... RNs. Yeah. I, I was always kind of of the mind that the higher level provider should be teaching a lower level student. Absolutely. Because, and like, but that's a dynamic, it's weird because... At least one level above. Right. You should be at least one level above. But that's a dynamic that you see in all educational styles where like, sure. if you go to college, you get taught by doctors mm-hmm. because... Or, or you know more than or, you. Like or you go to, or you go to junior college. You go to a two-year program, and well, you generally have masters and PhD candidates. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually interject and disagree here. I think it's actually to an a point. There, it is important <laughs> oh, to have EMT it. instructors. Now, think about like the college uh, scenario. You said what else goes along with that professor? You have TAs who are other students, maybe students so, a little more experienced than you, right. but okay. they're there to help because they so can me, bring it to your level. Right. So you need the. Now, I'm not just saying throw MTs there. You need just the right people to go alongside these nurses, physicians, paramedics to teach EMTs. I think that would I'm be okay helpful. with that. So let me let me expand on that a little bit then. I don't mean to replace EMT instructors with paramedics. There are paramedics who are EMT instructors. Mm-hmm. But the... Yeah, hello. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason that we've... we've this explains this whole podcast right uh, now with you yeah. teaching. <laughs> hey So the reason that I have an EMT instructor cert is because I've gone through the techniques and I've gone through the, the base requirements and I know how to teach a differential from what's not, you know, like from a, from a, an, intim- uh, an imitator. There it is, not an intimidator. That's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what I mean is that, there's, of course, there should be an EMT instructor present. They should, they should be the ones leading the class. But once a week, 
if I'm doing EMT skills, let's talk about bringing in a paramedic student that will not only justify what it is that the EMT is doing and solidify their own skills, but then explain what the next step would be. So now we have a dialogue. Right. There's a discourse there where like, and I've had EMTs look at me while I'm in the back of their truck and be like, M stands for mobile. Like M stands for just yeah, sit down I, and But it, it stands wait. for icon to you. That's, yeah. that's what the mobile uh, thing right. is. Right. Well, I, but, okay, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> clarifying. <laughs> but, the, but the other thing that. is, but, but to Kevin's point is, there are schools that have TAs, but it's not every college. Oh, no, and not even, at all. And even if it was, they report to someone who has a higher level degree. I agree. So while there's people who exist, like I'm not saying, again, you know, there's not, it's not that there's not a role. It's that there has to be someone who has, like, we have to know on the medic level why we're teaching people at a lower level and like how to how to make things work. Right. So it's not it's to say that we can't have an EMT that's involved just, in I'll the training. I'll speak to my own experience based off my uh, my anecdote of the college. So when I took marine science um, a long time ago, you see how well that worked out. Uh, <laughs> the I actually learned more from my TA than I did from my teacher because my TA was able to break it down in the terms that I understood, not sure. just throwing big sciencey terms at me. He goes, "Oh, this means that," and then you know, here's an easy way to remember this because. He's, you know, he was a junior and I was just a freshman and he had experience in this subject, mm-hmm. but he was also able, like an important middleman between my doctor mm-hmm. of geology professor and freshman at college. Right. So I think like uh, what I was trying to get to, like there is, there is importance to have the right EMTs in there or even paramedic students, which I think is actually a good idea because that'll teach them that whole teamwork it, it aspect. Also, right. It also breaks down these stovepipes, this us versus them mentality. Yes. Is I'm an EMT, I'm a paramedic, never the twain chummy. And even with nurses, like I'm a nurse. Right. Okay, great. You know, you've got your thing. We've got, but there's all things we can all learn from each other. And you're seeing now with the blurring of lines between EMT level, paramedic level, in hospital care, out of hospital care, everything's blurred. We we really do need a multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. Sure. And, and if you look at in the hospital, mm-hmm. it's a multidisciplinary approach, right? I mean, just. It you, is, yeah. You know. I mean, your, your nurses are just as important as your doctors. You know, your doctors aren't going to get anything done without the nurses. The nurses aren't going to get anything done without their techs that help them. And I think that there's a lot more teamwork inside of the hospital than there is outside of well, the and, hospital. And that's the thing that I think we're talking about that we're kind of lacking where yes. we have, you know, that, and, and I, I, I push back against the us versus them mentality because I, it exists, but like, I, I, I don't know. Oh, it's that, a place we're falling short. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, yeah. I, I think that's one of the big hangouts, but like treat teaching EMS, uh, cause, and, and that's one of the things is that we have EMS is sort of a, um, we're our own standalone thing. We don't consider ourselves part of the greater healthcare panacea. It's just, we're, we're EMS, and then we go to the hospital. To the extent where there's thought along, you know, on both the BLS and ALS level, where the whole like let's just take them to the hospital thing. That if you go into the ER once you cross over the threshold into the door, you've crossed a magical barrier, and you don't have to do anything anymore. Right. Like that's that's how separate we consider ourselves to be. So when we talk about how we're actually going to change things, the first thing we have to talk about is probably the mentality, right? So in the classroom approach. There's, and, you know, in, in education circles, we're talking about flipping classrooms and how we actually do that. So, Anna, go a little bit into more detail on how a project, if, you, if there's a project that's listening and they're saying, you know what, this actually kind of sounds like our project. You know, the sage on the stage lecturing toward however many people right. saying do it this way because this is how I was taught. How would someone, to your mind, kind of change their program or start initiating changes to their program? So. The first thing is, is that there's a whole bunch of technology that's been introduced to the education world uh, as far as, you know, basically anything. Um, so 
couple of the programs that we use like JB Learning, FizzDap, that kind of thing that will basically give the student um, their, their books and their lectures out of the classroom. And the way that that works is, you know, they go home, their homework is to basically read up on whatever it is, whatever chapter it is that they want to, uh, to talk about the next day uh, or the next class. Um, so coming into the classroom, your students are already considered at least entry-level expert. So it's not, you know, you're not a cardiologist they, by well, any they've, means. They've been exposed they, to the material before they right. come in. So, you know, if I say, come in next time learning the, the circulation of the heart, that's exactly what I expect my students to have. To that end, it becomes the uh, the instructor's position to no longer lecture, but to facilitate the conversation between the students and themselves uh, through, you know, either conversation or activity or um, basically any kind of thing that gets a student up and moving using their brain. Right. Um, so once that happens, the, you know, once you've had like a, a good hour discussion about what a heart does or how to build one or whatever it is that you've decided to do like on, as a, as a hands-on, um, you give the student supplemental information. So right. there's a podcast or there's uh, a journal entry or there's, um, something from gems or whatever it is that you find that's not only valid, um, but you know, verified, uh, that will supplement your, your education and bring them into the next chapter. Right. So Flip classroom essentially means they do the learning at home, and then you provide the understanding. So, I, and I think one of the pushbacks that at least I've received in trying to integrate a flipped classroom type of thought process to the educators is that it's a you know it's a new thing or bringing it's like mm-hmm. we've all been to college. It's not a new thing. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's really not. It may be an EMS. It's a new. Well, thing. Well, and that's the point is um, that this is this is a teaching you, style yes. that that's existed for a while. My entire nursing school career was I went home. I learned the material. I came in, was expected to know the basics of it, right. and then we furthered the discussion from there. Well, and that's the whole point: is that the lecture Correct. lecture is yes, it's someone speaking at you for X amount of time, but it should be supplementing the material. Right. So we, and again, we talk about how like we're the only industry that does this. At no other time, like an- anecdotally in my education, have I ever expected or was taught to expect that the lecture would give me all the material I need. Right. Like to right. the point where like I've had lectures it you know going through undergrad where professors are like I'm not I'm just not going to tell you everything that yeah, you need to know same. because we have 400 pages to cover in 3 weeks. So but that's also yeah. where the instructor in the flip classroom comes in is that like you know typically I was in in any of my schooling it's been you know hey listen here's your lecture it's kind of the overview of the chapter I'm not going to tell you everything that you need to know go find it. And right. then where so then it becomes the instructor's job to provide that where you have to give them sure. more information because you're the you're the you're the expert. Why wouldn't they want to learn from you? Right. And I, I think that it's but that, that it's separating high yield from low yield. Right. Right. So going through, you know, if we're teaching like a toxicology lecture, I can tell you like how charcoal works. Sure. That, that's great. But, you know, how in, in if you're in a state like we are where BLS doesn't give charcoal, I mean, like that's charcoal. That's what that is. Yeah. But then you give the, you know if they if they really want to know more about it here's a source where the, you know you yeah. learn all about which and they, they have to. and they have that material available to them right. presumably so they can have, they can read up on it um, kind of in their spare time so when you have something a, a, a failure that I've seen um, it, just in my own career is we have sort of like pseudo authoritarian instructors where oh boy. <laughs> 
the da, 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 right yeah da, da, although i do actually kind of want that to play as i'm walking into the room not because i want to intimidate students just because i want my own theme music <laughs> yeah that's cool i can get the superman wow, Ed, music that's so original everybody needs <laughs> that's what I was saying. listen i watched wrestling a lot when i was a kid and you know i was like "Ooh, who's teaching today if and you hear like the steve austin glass breaking oh my god it's ed powder stone cold stone cold if there's pyrotechnics when i walk in the room i'm in yeah his name is kevin mazza oh yeah the john cena music so, yeah. <laughs> you can't see me because I'm not actually here teaching. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like, but that's like, like we all we all want that like at least a little bit, right? Well, it's but an the, ego trip. Yeah, of course yeah. you. Yeah. Do. But but beyond that, I think you know once you get past that, like, but I'm also here to teach you. But I think that there's a handful of instructors, and it, I, I I do think it's the minority, but I think it's a uh, fairly vocal minority of instructors who are of the mind like uh, like the, you know the quote like I'll fail you if. Or, you know, Which like should you never be uttered. Yeah. No. Or like, you know, right. you have to be good enough. Like one of the things that used to drive me crazy was we and whether or not it's true is somewhat immaterial is we uh, I had a, a handful of instructors who would be like, you better know how you're going to treat my family before you go down the road. No, or you're going to leave this classroom. Uh, like, uh, like, uh, like, that's OK, not fair. really? It's, not yeah, fair. It's, I think it's it's undue pressure. That's mm-hmm. that's it is. Things. And it, and it's it's the wrong kind of stress inoculation. It mm-hmm. sets them up for a negative outcome. It makes it makes them too worried about what the instructor's looking yes. at, as opposed to just doing the job. Right. You know what drives I me think nuts, as far as like the evaluations go, is the, f- the critical failures. Yes, that mm-hmm. whole list. I have students that just focus on that and try to avoid them instead of thinking through a problem. Correct. Right? Yeah. Right. And that's one of the problems with psychomotor testing that we're getting, we're trying to get away with, but we still have this old paradigm of mm-hmm. you have to do it perfectly. You have to do it the way I want you to do it. And I was guilty of this. I mean, I've I've been in an REMT evaluator for paramedic boards, and we were always, you know, it was a you have to hold them to this, and if they don't, they do it way one step outside that line. You hammer them. You have to fail them, which is insane because right. that's not how it works it's in the absolutely field at all. I feel it, like right. the and stress it, it, should be on the instructor because yeah. that instructor should be thinking. If this student fails, I failed them. Right. The instructor, right. Should, the instructor should be finding that ways. That should be the way they think. The instructor should be finding reasons to pass the student and not looking for reasons right. to fail them. There right. is a line on the registry test sheet that says failure to assess the patient as an adequate or a competent EMT. How subjective that is that? I That's really wish would just be so stricken subjective. from the sheet. Because, it should be. Like, what does that mean? Like, because here's the thing. I've, I've tested students who essentially walked in and started crying and then left. Okay. Oh then you didn't they're not ready. Do an they're not assessment. ready. Like they're a, effective domain. They're not right. ready. Okay. Like, okay. Fine. Like that's fine. But like, there's been students that you know the the conversation comes into like, well, they have to fail because you know they didn't assess for um, obvious bleeding in a patient who's experiencing shoulder pain. They didn't ask right. if the patient because took the, ED medications for their before ex- their exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, the, the big problem with Everyone's psychomotor on and and, <laughs> and we see this and this this is a confession that I have is, you know, now on my my mentality and my my mental picture of this has changed. And this comes from experience of making mistakes as a preceptor, making mistakes as an FTO. I look at entry level competence. Yeah. I look at, look, can you hit a fastball? And I, I hate to do the sports ball reference, but it's been in my head all day. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> but can you, you know, for me, entry and Ed and I, we've 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 bounced this idea around on a few other episodes. Entry level competence means can you be reasonably sure that this person can handle a simple, uncomplicated case yeah. reasonably effectively without unduly dangering the patient? Right. And you know what? 
that's really easy to achieve. And even then, like that might come with an uh, what we might consider an under level of conservatism when it comes to you do, doing your assessment. Correct. Right. And that's and like that's perfectly fine. Like I have no problem with, uh, you know, someone coming into an entry level position in five years. They're going to be really good and they're going to know differential diagnoses and like that's fine. But I think we we kind of cloud our judgment because we take like, well, I've been in the field for 15 years and you should know what I know, which is insane. Because it's that's nuts. not because that's not how that right. works. Right. It's the same thing. Like we have students who typically, before a student starts an EMT class, they're given a CPR card, right? Now you've taken a class; it's X amount of hours, and then you did CPR, you did the thing, and now you go out. And, they, right. and the we, mannequins are safe, right? And we expect them mm-hmm. to be expert resuscitationists, which, like, we're not even that with a four no. and a half hour class, right? Right. If you listen which, to the last stop. two, like, last couple episodes, we've had anything to talk about resuscitation. It's BLS competence in resuscitation is exactly what saves lives, right? Yeah. So there's no. And there's no, there's never a touchback for practice in any right. of our classes. We did they walk in with a card, and all of a sudden, hey, you're a CPR guy, hooray for you! Like there's nothing that enforces those those practices, and there's never a, um, a there's never a teamwork aspect of them either. No, right, and I th- and even then that comes down to like how the CPR class was taught. If it was taught, you know, how to do a pit crew approach, how to do whatever else, like right. that's another thing that has to apply to CPR classes on top of just you know EMT classes. Um, but I also think that there's a time in the way that we teach classes where it makes it difficult to run through a whole like a, running through a dynamic scenario mm-hmm. is not something I think we do terribly well no not at all so I think you know teaching someone in their whatever 10th week of class like okay today we're gonna have a patient who they start experiencing chest pain and as the chest pain scenario goes on they go into cardiac arrest and then have a ROSC which is something we do at the medic level mm-hmm. plenty of times that's actually that's a station in that's the registry that's boards. pretty much bread and butter right yeah. but we don't we don't do that at the BLS level at the BLS level, we do a medical assessment. Like, your patient has chest pain, take them to the hospital. Yeah. And so I think that that kind of elicits also in the field a sense of panic because you've never been exposed to any of this before. Right. I'll even take that a step further. There's a reason why we're not practicing um, running a code. We'll just say code just for reasons. Um, <laughs> reasons. <laughs> science. Um, but if we're not practicing running a code just for the fact of practice, right. then giving them that scenario is moot. So we can do this in the tenth week, but in the third week they should be practicing doing a code off the bat. Sure. Well again, it's you know, it's teaching things like, you know, modern stuff like don't move cardiac arrests. Yeah, that'd be because great. it's not gonna make them better. Right. And I so something that in, in my practice I've been doing is showing EMTs and BLS providers like studies. Like we we did a big episode um, a couple weeks ago on the paramedic two trial and that's all that showed was that CPR is what actually makes the difference. You know, and the the day after that study came out I showed that to my EMT students and it was a whole kind of thing or like, well, that's a lot of data to show students like, well, that might be true, but, you know, they, they need to know this. They need to know this is the stuff that's out there. Yeah. So, and, and again, it's something that we're trying to address and something we're trying to work on. But so beyond that, um, I don't know how effectively we teach knowing that a patient is sick versus not sick. I don't, th- and which is something I think you kind of know intrinsically before getting out into the field. Like we, we've all seen people who are sick. Like you've all walked up to a friend of yours and been like, "You look." I like, think it's a okay? process you'll, because you'll, I don't think we train it effectively. I, I think we we talk sick, not sick, but we don't give them a, a, a view of what it is. I mean, very rarely will we put something up on the screen and say, "Look, this person looks like death. This right. is bad," you know, and it gives them. It, you know, we give them either false false security or we give them false worry right well and this is something that like it's google googleable right that's the word for it google google is that a thing google google 
<laughs> internetable. Because you can actually go on and you could like you can search pictures of someone who has like COPD or someone who's got a CHF exacerbation. They have apps now. Have. Figure one. There's a couple. Oh, figure one. Apps. Yeah. Great. Please. Yeah. Also, I mean, the, the Overrun podcast does not endorse any particular product or brand. However, the Figure One app is great because you can actually see. We can link like, to it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, you can actually see like what. Uh, Please don't sue us. Yeah. But they also have like admirable presentations too, where it'll be like this patient actually was a COPD exacerbation, but they presented as you know pink and hot as opposed to you know like your typical like blue you know with, mm-hmm. with attractions like that so those things are available but they're not i guess advertised effectively yeah, I, th- I think the thing that we don't teach our 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 emt level you know colleagues is you know in their training is we don't teach them we don't teach normal well right no, no, no. so not at all. we and then we don't teach <laughs> abnormal you know right. so what, what we teach is they called 911 it must be for a reason Correct. Right. And you have to take them to the hospital because otherwise you're going to you're going to get in trouble. Right. Which. Will and, you? And when yeah. in doubt, you have to call paramedic because reasons. Right. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. they have the magic machine that tells you all the answers. Well, they said a big word. It's respiratory. And, and we don't we don't worry about vital signs. And, you know, that stuff. We don't do that. Well, because we, this haven't is even, the real, we haven't even touched. This on is the street. <laughs> this is the street, man. We do no, it no. differently out here. You do stuff in the classroom. This is the real. I'm going to teach you the street way of doing it, which is uh, that's another kind of asinine thing that we do, where it's like there the separation between the the street and the classroom should be fairly small. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, it, it shouldn't be this, you know, giant gap of like, well, no, so in the classroom, I want you to do it this way, but in the on the road, oh, like, how like many, right? I, how many I've times do you hear that and you just want to cringe? At it's least yeah. every single class I ever took, I, it probably hurt me ten times. Every class, class I've ever taught has yeah. had like one, you know, one happy little volunteer comes up and she says, "Well, yep. at my squad, we do it this way." I don't care. You're wrong. I don't. I don't right. care. There's one. Or that. Way or to that. Do it. It's a sign. Or that we've been doing this. We've been doing it this way for 20 years. Wrong. 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 <laughs> right. And I think the bottom line is, if you're getting into medicine expecting not to grow with the medicine, like the medical field, then you're in the wrong field. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a science, and, I, and science you're, is always You're changing. already reading a book with data information that's 10 years Correct. old. The day you enter the class. Absolutely. So but maybe that's the thing that we're falling short on, too, is that like we're teaching these kids that, like, good, you got to start. No, 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 not necessarily kids. They're not necessarily so e- people, sorry. Right. People. Um, I'm just, I'm humans. Um, teaching the humans. The humans. <laughs> human? That's, human. that's super <laughs> syrupy, and I didn't like it. I'm teaching um, you human. <laughs> but we're not creating we're not creating an education positive culture. Right. We are creating a bunch of people that said, "Okay, now I'm an EMT," and that was it. We're teaching yes. right. a test. We're, we are. We're, we're teaching we're a teaching, test. Mm-hmm. We're, and we're teaching a test, and we're teaching an over reliance on technology too. Yeah. The next, like every time I see, a, any any providers Here honestly using Don't like say a, pull socks. I'm going to say pull socks. Oh, I was, no. was going to say Dynamap first, but oh, yeah, okay. using, I'll using, say uh, pull socks. Yeah, using that a Dynamap or a pull socks, like how? And here's so here's here's a classic thing that I I've encountered in my career more times than I care to recall, is walking up and hearing that the patient has a blood pressure of 160 palp and their pull socks is 98. Like that okay. means that you took there were five steps in what you just had to do, Correct. and you did four of them. Like you already have a blood pressure cuff out. You are I I'm looking at a stethoscope around your neck, and you just couldn't. We didn't put the C- two together. Couldn't, couldn't get that diastolic, huh? No. All right. What's their heart rate? Well, the pulse. My favorite. This is one I love. So well, it's the when pulse ox says. it's bouncing well, between forty and one hundred and eighty. And one hundred. <laughs> their <laughs> right. heart's going crazy. You're like, well, that sounds like a fib to me. <laughs> but like, if your heart rate's between forty and one hundred and six, and then it's the, but again, it comes down to the sick, not sick. Like, look at the patient. Do they seem like someone whose heart rate Are is they jumping pink, between dry and yeah. like normal in color? Like, right. it, it, 
How about are they talking to you? They, they, they know their to name. Do they recognize when you walk into the room? Can they These sit are things upright? <laughs> uh, no, but their vitals are okay. Right. right. But even even like, you know, the, the, the cliche like abnormal vital sign call or like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll define abnormal. Someone who has hypertension who is 160 For over them, 80. For them, abnormal might be 120 over 80. Right, exactly. Right, they're hypotensive that way. Yeah. Which they're, I, they're hypotensive. I never want to hear a blood pressure of 120 over 80, 130 over 70, or 130 over 80. Right. If that's if that's the blood pressure you're here, I want you to take it again. I don't want to see. I don't, don't want to see you. a respiratory rate of 16. Because yeah. guess what? Yeah. Because yeah. that's no, not. No, you it's not. No. no, it's not. No, it's not. I also don't want to see. I don't. That is that is my favorite medical meme right now. <laughs> is. <laughs> holding up the sign and then like, god no. is watching god is watching <laughs> but that's that's the other thing like i like it'll be in the show notes yeah it will be in the show and, notes. and simple things too <laughs> like if, like here's the thing if you're going to lie you shouldn't but if you're going to lie be good at it right. don't auscultate a blood pressure and then tell me odd numbers let's make it easy just don't lie just yeah, yeah. yeah. just do the job and if here's you the can't thing, get is the blood pressure, i will catch you just if know you normal it, say it and right? if you know normal you'll know abnormal right correct I would. I no love. Listen, normal. I love an EMT, and and you know, go. We'll go around the room. I love it when an EMT or somebody comes to me and goes, "I don't know what's going on, but something's not right." That's Fine. better That's than a great answer. Oh, Fine. I'm about really. It. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Absolutely. We'll find that out. Yeah, I'd, I'd so much rather. Oh, let's than, look. I love yeah. a good mystery. I get my Nancy Drew little notebook out. And we go to town. Yeah, it's, it's not the Hardy I've Boys. It. It's Nancy Drew. It is Nancy yeah. Drew. <laughs> I said Nancy Drew, right? I yeah, Hardy yeah. Boys. I know. It's yeah. how not many the Hardy disa- Boys? No, no, not the Hardy Boys. Not Kevin Jess, Nazem. how many does it nursing disasters are avoided with a nurse going? Something's not right here. Almost a hundred percent. Yep, and it's and like it's it's a gut feeling, and there's also there's we we kind of like instill this fear of of ignorance versus say like stupidity, right? Where, like, stupidity would be like, well, I know what's wrong. I'm just choosing not to do anything for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas ignorance is you were never taught anything. I believe that's Correct. negligence, the first one. There's something yeah. wrong. I choose not okay, to yeah. do anything so, about I, it. I saw by that. What, so, I, and I'm, I'm on board with that. But, like, the stupid, the ignorance thing, you but know. We're right around the corner from the hospital, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, we could just go. So, like, the, like an, a good example for me. Diesel bolus. Like, for me, the, the <laughs> ignorance thing bolus. was. Your trucks are still diesel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are. Well, one is. One of yours is. Yeah. sad. But like you know, there's using like a in, in like at the risk of going into a war story, like having a patient who's got like a Chiari malformation and not knowing what that actually mm. is, and saying that well, the patient said that their brain is herniating through their skull, which is factually accurate, right? Because that's what's happening. But if you're like, I've never heard of this before, and then you're just like, so I'm gonna put them in a collar on a backboard. Like, well, why did you do that? Well, they said their brain was herniating through their skull. What? Okay, like that's. That's they said scary. That, so I gave them Narcan. Yeah, but you know what I mean. But like, God. but no, but like, like and glucose. But like, without any education on what that actual it. illness is, okay. But we it, have phones. Like, take your phone out. You're talking crazy in. now. Yeah, you're talking crazy. And look now. it up. That's what I do in the hospital. Like, a patient tells That's me what something. What I do in and someone's go, living huh. room. I don't yeah. know what that <laughs> is. Oh, I get a med. Yeah, because oh, oh, they they're on this medication. But in and people look at you like. Consult but a Dr. physical look. I'm what like, I'm, I'm saying is, I have Medscape. less of a problem. I have less of a problem. I just consult Doctor Google. Yeah, I have less of a problem with doing that. Mm-hmm. Than saying like, well, they're having chest pain, so they could be having a heart attack. Right. You know, that's what I mean? low like, level. Like that's low level. That's, a that's and that's a re- it's archaic and it's a and it's a reflection of how little the educational system regards right. their graduates. It's, it's low. It's low level, but it's, it's low not their fruit. fault. And it is it's their fault. fault. Yeah. And that's the thing is we you know we have to actually get to a point where we're teaching people both the entry level competence and then we have to start teaching them how to think. Too. Yeah. At a, at a very basic level. I don't need you to get into, you know, really, like, deep-level things. But I need you to be like, well, okay, the patient uh, 
got punched in the chest and now they're having chest pain, don't say it could be a heart attack. Yeah, right. it, it could be. But, like, let's throw some st- – what are the odds of that? Let's throw some stats yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's let's, Yeah, that's and, and, and that's what we need to do. So, coming up on this, where what do we want to see in our graduates, our EMT graduates? What is the ideal graduate? What do we want? That's a, It's the entry-level competence thing. Right. I want someone who is able to take a very basic assessment. I don't even, I don't, I need to, to know that you can take a blood pressure and what that means, what their heart rate means, and basic level medication. Someone's having an asthma attack, give them albuterol, those kind of things. That's really all I need. That, and that, that's just for me. So my ideal graduate is a longer list. Um, I need someone who is competent in therapeutic touch or therapeutic communication because you're not oh, just dealing with someone who you took is... took my words. <laughs> Do you want them back? We can, we can expound on yours. That's How fine. dare you? I'm sorry. Um, I want them more than competent in their hand skills. And that's not just like, you know, oh, I know how you can tie a blow, like put a blood pressure cuff on. It's like, give me the three ways that you can splint a knee. Okay. At any given moment. That's and fair. that's, yeah. you know, it's the, for the benefit of the patient anyway. Uh, clinical communi- clinical communication skills, which is ironic because I'm stuttering. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that person, we speak a medical language in the field. Right. We are not, you know, I don't walk into a, to a hospital, look at a doctor and be like, he broke the thing. <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> no, his humerus is fractured, sir. That's what I think is going on with this patient because I've done my assessment in, right. a, in the most complete way that I can. Um, so we have to we have to teach and we have to use that language. Uh, documentation skills is something that we don't do very well. We don't mm-hmm. have a set um, formula for anything in there, really. Right. Um, did you want to take it from here? Or do you want me to keep going? Because I can. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs> keep on going. Um, we talked about uh, condition differentials. Right. So a heart attack isn't just a heart attack. It could be a digestion. We can have angina, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like when not to give nitro, that'd be a great thing. Mm-hmm. I don't care if your blood pressure is 112 over 80. You're still too low for a 30-point drop. Sure. So let's think critically about how to give our, our medications. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, yes. it only lasts about five minutes. Yeah, but in five Correct. minutes, you if their do blood CPR pressure... For five minutes. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, we're all, we're all very good at doing that. <laughs> really, Kev? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also want someone who's passionate about their own practice. Okay. So thank you. Be yeah, it, was, it was a gift. It was nice. Um, <laughs> so be excited to be on the ambulance and learn things and experience the like you know not necessarily the tragedy that your your patient is going through, but be happy that you're there to serve them. Right. It's like what 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 we do is it's it's a privilege. Yeah. That like not a lot of people get to see, and not a lot of people get called to do. Right. So, and like, you know, we can talk about like the higher calling or whatever it is, but like, there's a lot of, like, I've had partners who have gotten off of a serious job, like looked at me, taken off their uniform and walked off. It's just not for everybody. And if you're here, then be happy about it. Um, And then there's the the mental health aspect. Mm -hmm. Which we, we, we do. That's a whole, whole that's a series of episodes we're going to have to do. That's that's definitely another podcast. It is another podcast. That's a series. I mean, you could just have the, sure, the other podcast. But but if I'm talking about someone who I ideally want to come off of a truck on, then I want them to be self-aware. Yes. Yeah. This is not something that I can deal with. The exactly. dude who took off his uniform Correct. and walked off the job, I give him all the respect in the yeah. world because at least he knew. I want them coming out of that class too saying, I don't know everything and that's okay. Yes. And I'm going to keep learning for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make like me less of someone because right. I don't know as much. I right. mean, you know, my, my new, where I am now, I never did critical care. Now mm-hmm. I'm learning vents. I have mm-hmm. to learn how to switch a pump over. I w- have to learn how to do... All the things that I never did as a street medic. Right. It's not bad. It's no, kind of it cool. It's practice. just different. 
Yeah. And that's okay. Education right? is not something you could complete. No. Because yeah. if and and that's that's a, that's a huge thing is that we we think once we're done with the class, that's it. Yeah. No, you just it's just that's the it beginning. Is. You Listen, walk through the door. No, well, you finish the class and you start thinking about your research. The truth is, you should be learning something new. Not only like I mean, every day is like kind of cliche, but every any opportunity. Yeah, any, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, like I said, and if you can name, if you can find out who quoted this, um, education oh, is not something you can complete because you just can't. You never stop learning. When you stop learning, you're dead. Right, and that's I'm, I'm that's kind of the biggest thing, and that's that's going to end up being the biggest takeaway from everything we're talking about today. Well, where it's not going to be, you know, a simple thing. And obviously, just like everything else we talk about on the show, there is no simple answer. Right. There is no, you know one thing there's no you know magic pill yeah but there is some place i have to start and i think explaining like and it might be that the first day that you go into an emt class as an educator you walk in and say like this is the first day but there isn't a last day yeah this is never over it's never over yeah write that down yeah like this is like this is something that's going to end up happening (laughs) yay i did a thing you got one i got a hot take yeah all right so again there's a lot of stuff that we've we've touched on today um you know, lots of information, lots of thought processes. We're dying to hear what you guys have to think. Um, we're starting to get a lot of feedback from no, the Facebook page. I'm and literally dying. I need your likes. Literally dying. To, Give me your likes. Enough likes and the doctor will treat um, me. <laughs> so like we're, we're excited prayer. to hear all your comments and thoughts. Um, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Google Play. We're also up on Spotify over on productions.com slash podcast. We're um, everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere. all over. So we are excited to hear what you guys think. This is a conversation between the five of us, but we want to hear what you guys do differently at your projects, what you do differently at your education facilities. This is not, as I said, this is not a thing that we're going to handle just in one episode. We're absolutely going to talk about this a lot more. So we're excited to hear what you guys have to think. Let us know what you think. For The Overrun, I'm Ed Bowder. I'm Dan. I'm Kevin. I'm Anna. And I'm Jess. And we'll talk to you next time. Get home safe.